Hey Curiosos, Joe here. Just wanted to let you know that we've become a partner with Amazon.com. We've put up an affiliate link on our homepage to help you with all your online shopping needs. So if it's a tasty beverage, a crazy movie, an interesting book, go through our link. It doesn't cost you anything else, but we here at Curioso do receive a small percentage of the sale, which in turn helps support this show. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And on to the show. About 14 years ago, an ex-girlfriend of mine decided that she wanted to get a dog. I tried to talk her out of it over and over again to no avail. So we went to a flea market and we found a cute little puppy at the bottom of a cardboard box. He was the last one, so we picked him up. He was all black and he could basically fit in one hand. I named the dog Quentin. I was a big Tarantino fan back then, and I raised him from a little tiny pup. He was there for me when that girl broke up with me. He was there for me and with me when I got struck by lightning, and he's been with me ever since. And I tell you, I've never seen a dog lay his head on a pillow, and I've never seen a dog have so much personality as, as my dog. I love him to death, and to me, he'll always be part of the family. Curioso. A Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters, a collector of knowledge. Curioso I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. And welcome to the Curioso Podcast. Hey there, Curiosos, and you don't mind me calling you Curiosos, do you? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) This is Christopher Scarborough. (laughs) This is Joe Taylor. And uh, today we have a very special, awesome topic. In fact, kind of five of them wrapped into one. It's kind of like many animal meets together in a burrito at the same time like many faces from he-man yes like many faces yes animal faces yes in fact this topic or these five or possibly six uh depending yeah well okay all right we're we don't want to we don't want the suspense to go off too much but we this was too much for us to handle by ourselves so we actually asked a friend of ours who when i mentioned to him all of the topics that we were going to discuss today he knew like four out of the five of them and uh he decided to come on the podcast and uh and come on it once again and who do we have jason jason cavain that's right that's right we've got uh we've got jason uh our foot specialist from the foot episode and he decided to come on and discuss this and jason tell me why you wanted to come on this specific episode oh i'm intrigued by the topic chris um it seems like Every time I come across a story like this, I always tend to get a little bit more caught up than I should. Um, <laughs> it piques my interest and I'll go on like a three-day rampage as far as trying to find out as much as I can about any of these subjects. Um, I think just the, the fact that you, these animals have kind of transcended the, uh, the boundaries of the animal kingdom and become more, 
um, household names more than they should. Than human. More human more, than more human. More animal than animal. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's we we we've been we've been teasing here, but our topic today is noteworthy animals. We're going to discuss animals of note. Now everyone has a dog, a cat, a cow, a horse. A you know, well, fish. not everyone, but I mean, Lots you know, of people yeah. Own pets. And you all name your pets. So, Some you know, well, most people do. I had a dog one time. I just called him Dog. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, and, but he had a name. His name was Dog. <laughs> true. Okay, true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, it's a crappy name. Yeah. It's still a name. It was still a name. So, right. the point is, is that, is that people name their animals. But these named animals that we're going to discuss mm -hmm. are not your typical named animals. These named animals are, have gone down in the annals of history as mm -hmm. famous. And some of them are infamous. Yeah, definitely. So some have killed. Some of uh, some have loved. Aww. <laughs> 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 that was good airplay right there. Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yeah, I got to take a minute after that. That was good. That was too much. Well, Joe, have you ever uh, have you ever gotten jumbo eggs? Yes. Have you ever been on a jumbo jet? Yes. Have you ever? I don't know, give me another jumbo. <laughs> give me another jumbo. Have you ever gotten the jumbo popcorn at the circus? Yes. Do you know why Never we the jumbo girl? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes. So anyway, um, so do you know why we call things jumbo? Um, it's more than large. It is, and in fact. Jumbo, and not as it's it's big as ridiculous. Well, it's kind of like how we we have Kleenex. You know, okay. Kleenex are named. You know, we After just the, the brand. Yeah, yeah. Well, the brand was an elephant. Oh. Jumbo was an elephant that uh, that P. T. Barnum actually of brought course. around the U.S. and Canada. Um, now. He wasn't that's he wasn't born, you know, at Barnum's feet. He was actually uh, he was born and captured in. Uh, I apologize because I'm not very good at the, the name here, but Abyssinia, mm -hmm. uh, a French Suzanne fruit, Suzanne of uh, French Suzanne. <laughs> hey, Suzanne. <laughs> so he was a small African elephant. He was just a, a calf when he was brought to Cairo and he was purchased by an animal collector named uh, John Schmidt. And, <laughs> and then he was uh, resold to a menagerie at Jardin de Plantes. Okay. Uh, pardon my French. Right. Mm -hmm. But he was, uh, he was basically, he was exhibited there for a while. And uh, the uh, superintendent of the London Zoo, uh, Abraham Bartlett, um, he, was, uh, he was transferred there because when he saw what the animal was uh, being treated like, mm -hmm. he just thought it was, he didn't think it was, it was very like, good. Cruel. Yeah. So he okay. brought it to the London Zoo and uh, it, he was there for a long time. Now, he actually took very good care of the animal and they, they he would actually uh, do things like, you know, when he was a little bit sick, he would give him uh, gallons of whiskey. Uh, I know it sounds really I funny. Give an elephant a gallon of whiskey. Well, wait, have, wait. was it to cure his humors? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It wasn't. It, well, 
elephants, because they're so much larger than people, you know, a person might have a shot of whiskey and get a little bit like right, woozy. Right. Well, uh, if an elephant has a cold or something like that, you know, you, to, you, you can't give it a hot toddy. It has you can't to even double the dose. You have to. Yes. So to give it an entire gallon, you know, would be. And plus, from what I understand, elephants love whiskey. Yeah, that's that's what big, I've heard. Big drinkers, says elephants. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> it, um, in fact, walls. if you've ever seen, there's actually a a book that was turned into a movie with the uh, the sparkly vampire guy or whatever. Okay. And it was actually it's but it's called Water for Elephants, and in that they talk about the whole uh, you know giving the elephant whiskey, and okay. they they love it. So just uh, another Chris, little. Do the elephants thing. get drunk on the whiskey? Uh no, because it would take like an entire barrel for an elephant to get drunk but you know it gets them a little takes the pain off if they say hurt their foot or something like that you give them a gallon of whiskey and it'll take the pain off for a few hours hmm. so yeah it's actually plus it's it's kind of like a treat to them so uh some of the things that i found about jumbo is that by the age of seven his daily intake of food mm -hmm. he had 200 pounds of hay a day wow. an entire barrel of potatoes two bushels of oats 15 loaves of bread, a slew of onions, and several pails of water. That's a giant sandwich. Yeah, and then also, yeah, and then a gallon or two of whiskey a day would be absolutely normal for uh, for his handler uh, to give him. Wow, in one day? Yeah, in one day. Wow. Yep. That's a lot of whiskey. Yeah, I, I hate to keep harping on it, but, two, we, you know. Two barrels of whiskey. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah. No, no, no. Two gallons of whiskey. Two gallons of whiskey. Not okay. two barrels. Because, you know, if he had two barrels a day, he might have to go to uh, AA. E EA, Elephants <laughs> Anonymous. Anonymous. <laughs> Wouldn't that mean he's trying to recover from being an elephant? Yeah, I, I guess. I'm not sure. Well, it was it was 1880 when P.T. Barnum, he was looking for like a, a, a you know, some kind of animal they could bring to the circus. Okay. And uh, his, his partner, uh, James Bailey, uh, had actually talked to the uh, Royal Zoological Society of London, which is mm -hmm. where, you know, at the Royal Zoo of London, right. which is where Jumbo was. And uh, he uh, actually offered the hefty sum back then of $10,000 um, to bring Jumbo to the States. Wow. So, yeah, so it was, it was, he actually, it was a lot of money back then. Okay. I understand there was some um, turmoil in England at that point because they were kind of upset they didn't want their elephant being sold. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there was uh, lawsuits filed. And plus, from what I understand, there was hundreds, if not thousands of letters that were written to the uh, to the royal to the royal family to try and stop Don't Jumbo from being sold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please, sir. We want our elephant. <laughs> You can't have your elephant. <laughs> so, so <laughs> the thing is about Jumbo is that uh, he didn't really want to get onto the ship. So it took okay. it took all these handlers uh, to to get him down to the docks, and he would he would he would uh, he would actually protest by doing lions where he would just lay down on the ground and nobody could pick him up. <laughs> he would just sulk. Yes, he would just lie down on the ground and be like, uh-uh, I'm not going. Right, and right. Uh, so eventually, like, they would give him the whiskey to get him up and moving again. So they finally got him on the docks because he was so large, right. they couldn't really wheel him around. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was no, no way to do it until they it got him to America. So, so backwards. Like, you just need a little incentive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> belligerent elephant i'll so, get up if you give me whiskey <laughs> yeah right so his longtime trainer matthew scott um he helped the process you know by you know 
getting him into the crate and really with no resistance. So he basically, this guy, Scott, went along with him, Matthew Scott. And uh, he was hauled um, on the HMS Assyrian Monarch mm -hmm. uh, over from Britain to the U.S. Okay. Jumbo arrived in the U.S. on April 9th, uh, 1882, where crowds of people watched as circus horses, elephants, and big old Jumbo in his huge carriage uh, being taken to the Hippodrome. Now, the Hippodrome eventually became Madison Square Garden, oh. but that's what it was at the time was called the Hippodrome. And uh, so after... It been called like the Elephant Drum? <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we should have looked up a giant hippo for this one. Yeah. Is there any giant hippos? I don't know. We'll, no. we'll, we'll you know what? We'll do, what we'll do that. We'll do that. Maybe we'll ha eventually have a uh, have a noteworthy animals too, and yeah. we find more. Yeah. So so make There's sure if out there. yeah, make sure yeah. if you have a noteworthy animal curiosos that you want us to talk about, we'll we'll come on and do a second one. Mm -hmm. So after several months of appearances at the Hippodrome, he eventually uh, basically went on tour through uh, through the U.S. and through Canada. Okay. Now, it wasn't until September 5th of 1885, so about three years later after him touring, he was uh, had a, a performance. Uh, Matthew Scott, his longtime trainer, mm -hmm. led uh, Jumbo out. Now, it was the, the last two animals that were in the show were Jumbo and a little tiny elephant named Tom Thumb. And that, that elephant they actually painted in clown makeup. He was oh. called a clown elephant. And it was supposed to be lar huge, gigantic, large Jumbo and the tiny clown elephant. And they would do an act together. Okay. So all the other, other elephants and animals were taken out to the train car because one of the things that's famous about P.T. Barnum is that, you know, and it's still true today, that they actually move all of their animals and everything by train. Yeah. So they go all the way along the train lines. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they were taking them all out to the train. And lastly, Jumbo and Tom Thumb, they were taking out because uh, they were the last, you know, animals that were in the show. Right. They, they were and the finale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at the very end, they were taking them out and tragedy struck, literally. Uh-oh. So there was an unscheduled uh, train car that was coming through. And basically what happened was uh, it came through and it wound up striking, striking, striking the elephant, it wound up striking Jumbo. And wow. uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was actually killed uh, right there on the train tracks. From what I understand, he flew a few, a few yards and he wound up hitting a telephone How pole. How was that train going? Well, there was, from what I understand and the, the, the things that I read about it, the one of the lantern men was swinging his lantern and blowing a whistle and they could not get uh they could not get the train to slow down hmm. and it well, wasn't it's, it's tough to slow down a train you know. anyway yeah. yeah right so but uh they were trying to get ele the elephant off the tracks they were trying to get jumbo off the tracks and they couldn't get him off now now one of the stories that came out of this is that that jumbo actually pushed Tom Thumb, the small elephant, out of the way to save him mm -hmm. when he was struck by the, the runaway. Not, it wasn't really a runaway. It was an unscheduled train car. Right, right. right. So that was, that's, one of the, uh, that's one of the stories. Well, have you ever actually seen like, um, those nature shows where they show like, the life of an elephant? Right, mm -hmm. right. Well, when, when one dies, natural causes or otherwise, right. like the entire group that they're traveling with, they'll they tend to stick around the body right. and it's almost like they're mourning. Right. You know, so, and they have footage of, you know, uh, mama elephants like 
pushing their baby elephants away from lions or right. hiding them in between you know other elephants to keep them protected so it's yeah, elephants are a very intelligent animal. Oh, yeah. They're they're not they're they're way more intelligent than you know say cats or right. maybe dogs. I don't know. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> you have the approximate size on Jumbo. Was he significantly larger than the other elephants in the circus? Yeah. What gave him the Jumbo status? Well, let me tell you. Jumbo was reported to be uh, a male of twenty four years right. uh, at the time of his passing, and uh, he was. Born in 1861, he was 3.32 meters tall, or meters. for yeah, or for us, uh, <laughs> us United Statesians, 10.9 uh, uh, feet tall. So wow. yeah, he was 10 feet nine inches. Some reports say he was about 11 inches, but there's actually some. Where, Give or take an inch. Well, yeah, well, they say that the that the the train car that he was in was mm -hmm. actually 11 feet tall. Okay, and from the very top crest of his back, you could put about a hand's width between the top crest of his back and the top of the train car. Yeah. Okay. So okay. you've got about maybe four inches there. Yeah. So they, they say about, you know, uh, about 10, 10 and a half, you know, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. 10 feet, nine. nine inches. Yeah. So he was also estimated to be about 6,500 kilograms or um, <laughs> what does that mean? Or 14,300 pounds. Okay. So he was, uh, yeah, what is that in tons? I think I'm so ton bad. Is, is 3,000 pounds, is that correct? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think it is. I'm so bad at tons. So, so what is that? That'd be four and a quarter tons. Yeah. So like uh, over four tons. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he was a, uh, he was a very, yeah, right. he was an, African bush elephant was a species. Do you know the average lifespan out. of an elephant? If he was only 24 years old when he died, <clears throat> you know, that's pretty young for an elephant, I would think. Yeah, it's even younger than most rock stars in that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, most rock stars aren't struck by uh, uh, runaway train, train cars, some but, you know. <laughs> some of them should be. <laughs> I think the elephants normally live to about 60, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's about right. Hmm. And the, the matriarchal side usually lives a little, a little bit, bit longer. longer, right? Yeah. The simplest uh, thought, slightly misleading <coughs> answer is how long do elephants live is somewhere between 60 and 70 years. But that's how long they can live if everything goes well for them. Yeah, if people and so, trains leave them alone. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but, you know, about maybe about 50 years is, is about what they expect. So yeah. he definitely died young. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, he... You know, it's that, that old saying, you know, live fast, die young. <laughs> Jumbo lived fast. He did. In he did carnival. live fast. He was, he, from what I understand, he was a hard drinker. Oh, that's so, funny. you know. He ate, you know, pretty bad diet with all them sandwiches. <laughs> all right. So here's the thing about Jumbo. That's actually not where his story ends. Okay. Okay. So after he was, uh, after he was uh, brutally uh, struck by a train, a, a, a you know unscheduled train car. Brutally by accident struck by a train. Uh, exactly. He was, they, they actually, they took him apart, okay? okay? So the bones actually went with P.T. Barnum for a while and he took them around the circus and, and he showed them off. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you do as when you're P.T. Barnum. You're PT exactly. Barnum. <laughs> so, uh, but when... Oh, don't throw that away. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, one of the largest elephants in the world? Absolutely. Yeah. So 
But that wasn't the only thing. They actually found, I think, like a handful of of keys inside right. of his stomach, right. a handful pennies. of coins and yeah. pennies inside of his stomach. That elephant had pica. <laughs> well, if you're an elephant and it just happens to be in the hay, right. you know what I mean? Hey. Or, yeah, you know. I would wonder if that came from the crowd, you know, throwing pennies at him. Yeah, absolutely. Souvenirs. Or just walking around the, the carnival ground right. afterward. After like carnival. taking him back to the cage or the pen or whatever. Sure. There's probably stuff laying all over the place. Right. Also, Jumbo... When he uh, when he was laying there dying, he actually took about three hours to die after oh. being struck by the train. He actually, yeah. it's said that he reached out his trunk and wrapped it around uh, Matthew Scott, his longtime trainer, uh-huh. and uh, and and kind of held him there. Hmm. I love you, buddy. Yeah, that's yeah. It's been, it's been a good ride. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is the end. In an elephant voice, though. In, I, it's, <laughs> It's much better. Yeah, thank you. It's the one voice you can do, Chris. (laughs) I know, right? The one accent that I actually have is elephant. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So his stomach contents was uh, found, and it was hundreds of coins, dozens of keys, and a police officer's whistle inside of his stomach (laughs) at the time of his his passing. That's why when he would sneeze, he'd always go, (laughs) (laughs) I think all elephants do that, actually. But All right, so that's actually not the end of his story, though. He actually, uh, his, his hide was taken to Tufts University, which is, okay. which is actually in P.T. Barnum's hometown. So the bones went around tour. Yes. And the hide went to the university. Where did the keys go? I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know. So Jumbo's high was donated to Tufts University in Boston. Boston? Yeah, it was. It went to Boston, and it became actually their mascot. And their mascot really? to this day is Jumbo the Elephant. Yeah. Wow. So and that's all going to be on the show notes. Their their logo and everything. Very cool. So it it, it they basically got it. Uh, you know, he gave it to him, and mm-hmm. the athletes would tug on on his tail. Hmm. For like luck or something. Yes, for luck. Wow, it was okay. it was a it was like a luck rubbing, charm. Rubbing the Buddha belly. Exactly, or, or rubbing the the, the uh, admiral's nose in yeah. Annapolis. Yeah. So they would tug on the tail of of Jumbo huh. for good luck, and uh, they always say that it brought you know good luck and and you know to their yeah and you know during pep talks and things like that. That's and uh, he was in the uh, the Barnum Museum of Natural History, which is now called Barnum Hall. Mm-hmm at Tufts and he stayed there for years and years until 1975 a, a fire struck in in Barnum Hall what is up with PT Barnum and, and fires, fires. Right. I don't you know what that's the kind of stuff that used to happen back then you know I mean of course this was in 1975 so I know, but, but it was he, like we're gonna have to do a you know a fire episode <laughs> on Barnum and his mysterious fire. Barnum the arsonist. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, it's well, insurance. <laughs> from what I understand, this was a a faulty uh, some like a faulty refrigeration unit or something uh, like that that I'm actually sure went up. So you know it went up and it lit the entire hall up. Now here's the cool thing: Jumbo's tail 
from all that tugging uh-huh. was actually somewhere else at the time. They had they it tugged it they off. tugged it off, and it was actually somewhere else. And they were doing some reconstructive surgery to it, and <laughs> and while it was being burnt down in 1975, so they still have the tail oh, wow. tucked away somewhere. Uh, they actually still have Jumbo's tail. So nice. yeah, that's the you know Chris. From what I understand, they also took um, the approximate area where he was located in the building and dug up the ashes and and. Um, preserve the ashes from the building as well. Yeah, there is a little story about that too. Uh, on their site, they say that he's in a mismatched uh, peanut butter jar. It's a Peter Pan, a Peter Pan uh, crunchy lid on top of a Skippy jar. And they, uh, they don't know why it happened. <laughs> but they, yeah, they scooped up some of the ashes and they put it in there. Uh-huh. And uh, every time a, uh, a new athletics director is named, uh-huh. they pass the ashes off to the next off to the next athletics director. And is that sit in their office? Yeah, I think that just I think or? that's sit no, no, because it's ashes. You don't wanna you don't well, wanna I'm, drink I'm that. I'm asking. Like it's Do you really sport. want to drink elephant ashes? It's weird sporty people. Like I'm just asking. <laughs> no, no, they I'm, I'm sure they sit it on the mantle next to their all their all their what do they call those? Trophies. Yeah, those things. Yeah. hmm <laughs> So so bits and pieces of jumbo still remain to this day. They do, in fact. Very, very cool. Up next you look like a big bear scratching yourself. <laughs> My armpit itched. I know. You look like a big bear scratching yourself. So some people do call me a bear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I am not a bear. But I do know an actual bear that, uh, that served in the military. Yeah? Yeah, served in the Polish military. Jason, go ahead. Uh, his name is Wojak the bear. Or Wojak? Wojak. Wojak, yes. <laughs> no, well, it's... No, it's- well, well so it's it's W O J T E K is how you spell it. So now, Wojtek or Wojtek? Well, as far Wojtek? as from from all the videos that I watched, that when people were actually Polish and mm. speaking the this name, it was Wojtek. The W and the V and the mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So that's how it's pronounced is Wojtek. Right, which sounds like an eighties like industrial band or possibly a giant robot. Dad, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Time to dance. So in the spring of 1942, uh, the world was in in the midst of uh, World War Two. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of Polish prisoners, uh, they were deportee. Uh, yeah, deportees in uh, labor camps in Siberia. So they were released uh, from these labor camps in Siberia. And the main route out of the Soviet Union was across the Caspian Sea to Persia or Iran, as as, as it's known today. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the new Polish or- army was forming in the Middle East under the command of the British uh, organizing there. Right. And w- oh, do you guys know what Wojtek means? No, no. He who enjoys war. Seriously, really? that was the translation really? I saw. Wow. Yeah. I had no clue. I guess that was it. So I don't know if it was necessarily the guy's name or if they just uh, like a, a moniker bestowed upon him. Well, he is uh, the bear that went to war. Right. But uh, we're, we're going to get into that. So basically, it, it was uh, in 1942, the these Polish prisoners were coming through Iran mm-hmm. and they, they came across a, a little boy who had a bear cub and it was thought that the that he was actually kind of nursing it and taking care of it and he found it he found it yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. so he basically it was thought that the the mother was shot 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you just had the little bear cub. He was taking care of it, and he actually sold it to the Polish uh, to the Polish officers okay. for a few tins of food. Yeah. So they actually kept it and they nursed it uh, to health, and they they brought it up and they basically kept it as a mascot. Okay. A bear for a couple cans of food. That's a good trade. I would think so. Well, you're talking, you know, the '40s Siberia. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is that they were marching from <laughs> Siberia, you know, to Iran to but, join the Polish army. But I'm saying, like, just the time frame and the atmosphere of that country at the time, mm -hmm. like, it was hard. Like, right. things were, were not easy. And those bears, they're a dime a dozen. <laughs> I mean, you didn't pay anything for it. You found it for free, you know? <laughs> so it's 100% profit. It's a win-win scenario. <laughs> right. <laughs> So uh, it was he he was the mascot of the 22nd Artillery Supply Company, hmm. and they they actually fed him with like condensed milk, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and they and they brought him up and they, uh, you know, just played with him, gave him attention and they rolled around with him in the sand and did. I mean, they just really like brought him up. Yeah, like behaved like like he was a. a you know, the company dog or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I even saw that they went so far as to um, let him share the same bunks. Mm -hmm. uh, he would stay in the same housing facilities, nice. um, eat the same food. In fact, uh, what I read was, and this is why he's my favorite bear of all time, his favorite drink of all time was beer. <laughs> beer and, and cigarettes. He would smoke cigarettes and eat cigarettes. I don't even know how you would do that with a paw I, like I think that. I just... Put it, put it in there. Yeah, like, I, mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, he's no yogi, but so they they were training and you know being their supply company, you know, supplying the lines. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, April fourteenth in nineteen forty four. They found themselves in Egypt. Uh, they had to board a ship headed to Naples, uh -huh. and they were supposed to join the uh, the Allies uh, campaigning in Italy. And they thought that they were going to have to say goodbye to uh, Wojtek. Okay. But uh, as it turns out, they actually enlisted him and he had his own pay book, just yeah. like all the other soldiers. Yeah. I mean, he actually didn't get any money, but like mm -hmm. he was on the books as being, you know, enlisted. And he had his own rations and yep. just everything well, like every other rations. soldier. Is, did he really? Yeah, I didn't. because of his size, because uh, back then, like your rations um, were by your weight. So you get X amount, and it wasn't like more or less, you know, it's, you know, you get an extra potato or something, like, because they thought, you know, you're bigger, or you need more food or whatever. Right. So the bear actually got double rations hmm. because he was, you know, 400 some pounds, like, you know, pretty decent sized bear. Right. So basically, you know, he was allowed on the, on the ship and they were brought to Naples. So basically... He, he had become a very large bear by that point. He was about six feet tall and weighing about uh, 485 pounds. And for you people that aren't in America, that's 220 kilograms and 1.82 meters tall. Yeah, and considering he was so large and strong, he would actually carry uh, the different crates around yeah. the campsite yeah, and he, things. He was part of the, uh, the artillery support. Yeah. So he actually would do the same kind of work that the, the men did. Yeah, he absolutely. He carried carried everything around and 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 took care of everything that the guys d gave him and and mm -hmm. g gave him to do. Uh, I read a, uh, a little bit about about him that said that they were in the Battle of Monte Cassino in Italy, so they were fighting the 
the the Italians and the Germans, mm-hmm. and that the bear would carry the artillery shells to the to the troops. Yeah, he would carry the artillery shells straight to the front line. Right. So when getting off the boat at Naples, it was Archibald Brown. He was a British field marshal. He had spoken with everyone in the Twenty uh, Second Art- Artillery Supply in uh, in the the Polish Corps except one, and he was looking at the roster. Uh, for one person, it was Corporal uh, Wojtek, and he hadn't appeared. So he was no. he kept on calling his name, and uh, and basically one of the other one of the other members of the uh, artillery supply came up to him and he said, "Sir, he's he actually can't answer. He only, <laughs> he only uh, he actually only speaks uh, he only speaks Polish and and Persian." <laughs> and the guy said, "Okay, well." What, you know, where is he? So they brought him down to the cage and he saw Wojtek the bear in this big gigantic cage that they were unloading off of the boat. Uh, so that's that's basically the story. And, you nice. know, it, it, they they allowed him to be there and he was carrying carrying, you know, all the artillery shells to the front line. I mean, he was just, uh, you know, I can't believe that a bear actually made it into the army. And actually, what's really cool is that the sign that was painted on the on the vehicles for the 22nd Artillery Supply Company mm-hmm. is actually Wojtek holding a <laughs> holding an artillery awesome. shell and carrying it. That's and awesome. I actually found a uh, a T-shirt oh, of yeah. this of this logo, and that's going to be on the show notes, so you can actually pick that up from I was Amazon. Just thinking that would make a great T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, it is really, really, really an awesome, awesome logo. So I want this tattoo. I want a Wojtek <laughs> tattoo. Absolutely. Be the artillery bear. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I, and I know he ended up in Edinburgh, Scotland, in the zoo. From what I understood, the the, uh, the troops that he had served with in World War II would go up to Scotland and visit him at the at the zoo, and they would toss him cigarettes. And because he didn't have a lighter there, he would just consume the cigarettes like he had done uh, when he was with them in the military. But yeah, um, from the yeah, that's what I heard that they passed beers through the bars, right? And he would uh, he would crack them and, and drink them and yeah they right. would toss some cigarettes through the through the yeah, bars yeah and uh, they said that it was like a, almost like a fraternity member you know mm-hmm, somebody right. that they had spent and served time with so yeah served time with <laughs> that's pretty cool well they did they served time in the in the armed forces right, with yeah. him so i mean he was the, he was an old army buddy yeah and then he went to the you know animal convalescent <laughs> the old folks home <laughs> basically and they'd sneak him in booze and cigarettes <laughs> you ever crave a cigarette so bad that you just eat it <laughs> nope not that bad but I'll take my beer through a bar so eventually he died in uh, 1963 and wow. uh, from what I understand it was just natural causes but uh, yes he boy, wasn't hit by a trainer no he That's wasn't awful. hit by a train so <laughs> But uh, basically, yes, uh, there you go. There is Wojtek, Hitler's fuzziest enemy. <laughs> That's right. So also, there is a, a documentary called uh, Wojtek, the Bear That Went to War. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it yet, but I, I definitely like to see it. From what I understand, it, it's supposed to be a very good documentary. And it's interviews with uh, some of the people that served with him that oh, are still cool. alive. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just interview, uh, just all kinds of interviews and documentation and old footage of, of Wojtek mm-hmm. from, from back when he, was, uh, when he was alive before 1963. So, uh, cool. yeah, check it out. I'll have that on the show notes. All right, so what's next? 
Lions. Lions. Well, we've done lions and bears. We actually aren't doing any tigers this time around. No, 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 no. We've done an elephant. But now, yes, we're going to do some lions. Sweet. So the year was 1898. (gasps) They were building a railroad line across across Africa. Mm -hmm. All right. So they really were. Yeah. And the reason why they were doing this uh, for a few different reasons to bring goods across Africa, mm-hmm. you know, different, all, all, all different kinds of things across Africa. They were also trying from, well, the line from the movie is they were trying to save Africans from Africans. They were trying to right. stop the slave trade. Yes. Mm. Yes. But I mean, the, the, the railroad they were trying to build um, in Uganda, it was coined as from nowhere to nowhere. Mm-hmm. Or the lunatic one, wow. because it didn't make sense. Because there's these two separate little towns that seemingly had nothing, you know. But in between, there was tons of stuff to be transported. Mm-hmm. So that's why they put the railroad there. Now, from what I understand, it was it was the uh, the 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 uh, British that were trying to do it. Yeah, of course, because they were trying to colonize. Mm-hmm. And uh, from and what did for a long time, absolutely. Now, from what I understand, also is they took a lot of people from India. To build this, so yeah. these uh, these um, these Indians there, uh, a lot of the people that weren't actually killed on the line, and I heard some accounts of almost nine out of ten of the um, of, of them dying. Yeah, railroad work back then was dangerous. Yeah, and now they Very weren't dangerous. they weren't slaves; they were actually indentured servants, is okay. what they were. So they were these people that came over from India to, to work this line, nine out of 10 of them died. And the, the ones that survived it actually created a, a, a large population of Indian people, um, off of one of the coasts of Africa. That's oh, still kind of there today in really? Uganda. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought that was kind of neat how that's still, still kind of pertinent. What, you know, how, why you would have that there. When the French occupied parts of Thailand, mm-hmm. why you still have a French quarter in, in, you know, parts of Thailand that people still speak French. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing. So they were, I guess they were coined the ghost and the darkness. Yeah, two, two separate terms. There are two names for each, one one for each. It was a pair of lines right. that later on within that year, 1898, when construction started on the bridge. It was, a, it was a bridge that was supposed to be approximately 100 yards long, and it was over top of a valley right. that they couldn't, you know, obviously couldn't dip down into. So they right. had to create a bridge over top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and while they were all there, the ghost in the darkness started doing their business. It's not the ghost in the darkness. I said the ghost and the, ghost. the or darkness. Or the ghost in the shell. But the natives called these two lions. One was ghost and one was darkness. Mm-hmm. And Colonel John Henry Patterson was the guy that the... British decided to basically hire to get this bridge constructed because he had done other work previously. Mm-hmm. He had a good track record. He was in the military before. He could be trusted and he could get these people motivated to build this bridge. Yeah, within a couple months of, of the construction being underway, they started having animal attacks, mm-hmm. like lion attacks. And it was few and far between and they started getting worse and worse and worse. Well, from what I understand, they were they were striking in different camps. Yes. Like there was almost like 30 miles of camps along the, the track. And basically right. all the different camps, they were 
they were striking at different camps each night and killing, you know, uh, two or three people every Brand single night. Stragglers, yeah. 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 So, uh, and they had plenty of people to pick from. Oh, yeah. And at first, uh, Colonel Patterson didn't even believe that they were lions mm-hmm. until eventually he came across some of them and actually saw them for himself and was like, okay, yeah. they are they are lion teeth marks in, in, yeah, in those people. Found the bodies and were the remains the of remains. the bodies and, you know, the locals there automatically started to to say that it was the demons or because you know, they called them demons because they didn't behave like normal lions. Right. Yeah, they thought they were possessed, you know, demon lions or something. Right, because, you know, here's all these, you know, people coming through their land and building this railroad and they thought they were disturbing the, uh, you know, the, the natural creatures and, and their, their homes. Right. So the spirits... Of, of the uh, the planes or whatever were basically taking revenge. Yeah. And, and the natives, you know, a little superstitious. Um, so because of all the attacks and the constant problems they were having with just building the bridge itself, like the construction problems, it, it became sort of like a curse. And uh, that's where those those lines got their names. You know? So they, they, they just didn't take it down you know, take it lying down. They, they started, uh, sorry. <laughs> lying they down. Yes. They didn't just take it lying down. So they started, they constructed these things called bomas and a boma is basically means like fence. Uh-huh. And it's a, uh, they took <clears throat> these thorns, you know, like thickets and they would make these, these thicket fences going around their dwellings. But, you know, still, you know, people would go out and some uh, man was attacked while he was on top of a donkey. The donkey was knocked over. He was on the donkey and the lion jumped on top of him, knocked him over. Wow. But yeah, something. That's that's a brazen attack. Yeah, but. Most most lions, they they only attack, like, the weak, the old, the infirm, the the stragglers. Well, they don't normally attack humans. That's not a, that's not a normal thing. They think that it's possible that these lions either... Uh, there wasn't very much food in the area. Well, right. they're going through a drought, mm-hmm. so that makes most animals desperate. Yeah, right? um, hunger will make you do crazy, crazy things. But e- even even that, like one or two killings, I can understand. Right. You know, like especially a straggler or whatever, like out in the middle of nowhere, like the lion is going to take them down. They're hungry, starving, whatever. But this is repeated attacks, and half the time, half the time. They weren't eaten. They were just torn up. Right, right. You know, they were just killed. I heard that their motive was to leave the head behind. They'd eat the body and just leave the skull. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they would just eat certain parts or leave the entire thing just to kill them. Right. Almost be just like territorial, you know, killings like right. wolves will do right. to other wolf packs. Well, the attacks did seem a lot more malicious than typical um, lion attacks in the sense right. that they almost stalked their victims. Mm-hmm. I read uh, that they had broken into a hospital tent or raided a hospital tent the two lines and so the the people in the the camp decided to move the tent well the very next night they went back and did the exact same thing well you can smell death <laughs> right. and and hospital right stuff you know amputees or injuries like there's a certain smell right and animals you know they've got way better senses than we do right it's like you know ringing a dinner bell basically with these two it almost seems like there's a there's a a sense of malice about them you know like that's a little bit that transcends just normal predatorial uh, yeah just the the instinct for food like they seemed like they were out right you know (laughs) for for the fun of it yeah for for a purpose 
I don't know. There's just there's actually so much that they that they did. You know, so many attacks that happened. Yeah. You, you hear about them attacking a hospital tent, and mm-hmm. one of the doctors knocked over a table, and uh, the the colonel decided to try and create this elaborate trap basically out of a box car and uh i, I totally remember the scene from the ghost in the darkness so, you know and he's sitting in the box car with a rifle with these bars in between you know him using himself for human bait well there was other there was like a goat or something in, in yeah the yeah and he was in the back so like the goat was the main bait and he was in the back for extra base secondary bait so it was actually like right now i'm listening to that book on LibriVox, mm-hmm. and I'm you know not halfway through it yet, but it's it's pretty good. Well, and the, the cool that. thing about it is it's it's over a hundred years old, so it's yeah. in it's in uh, I was going to say eminent domain, <laughs> not, not in, uh, public no, domain. No, no, public domain. Public so domain. yeah, it's actually on LibriVox. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and the movie itself, like I didn't read the book before I saw the movie. Like that movie's what nineties, ninety six, right? Yeah. That's back when Val Kilmer was still pretty awesome. Right. And um, so far, they, like, from what I'm listening to on Leverbox, it's pretty close what they show, mm-hmm. what they portray in the movie. So I was, I'm really surprised. If that's at all accurate, that movie was incredible. I mean, yeah. to the scale that you're like, oh, there's no way this is a true story. Yeah, but uh, that's what it was. Wow. Yeah, Roosevelt, even after he read the field transcriptions from Patterson about the story. Mm-hmm. So it was like two years after the project was finally done, and he basically published a field documentary or a field document, not a whole book, just you know a handful of pages on the incident. Right. Roosevelt read it and was like, "This is one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. If it is true." Right. Roosevelt was a huge, huge hunter. Yeah. Like avid hunter. Not not in a malicious way, but he just he loved that sort He's of He's a big game hunter. Yeah, he was right, a trophy right. hunter. And he was taken back like you know, completely by it and really pushed Patterson to write the full account, like to make it last forever, write a book. So when we were talking about that the rail car that they used for the trap Mm-hmm. So they actually did trap one of the two animals. I don't know. I don't think they know whether it was the ghost or the darkness, one but they did actually trap one of them. But the the police chief actually had shown up to help them hunt these animals. Okay. He brought 27 men with him. So what happened was when they caught it and it actually went into the trap and tripped the tripwire and dropped the door down, the men were so scared of the thrashing that they didn't want to get close enough to put the muzzle on the animal that they started shooting from from a few yards away. Mm. And instead of actually, they never shot the animal. <laughs> they never actually shot the animal. Instead, what they accidentally did was they shot the chain that held the door, and oh, it flew no. up. And the then and the yeah the the uh, the out. lion got out. So so not only are they just like they've sent out party after party to try and catch these 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 two lions. Mm-hmm. They can't catch them. They actually had it in their grasp and could and still couldn't get it. It's like it's like it was a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it and thwarted all attempts. The, the thing is about uh, what is it? Savo? Yeah. Savo is where the, the province is. Uh, one of the things that I was reading, because they talk about it in the book, I believe, and I was reading an excerpt from it, they were talking about how in Savo, 
there's only usually about three lions in a pride. Mm -hmm. So there's like maybe a male and two females or right. two males and a female. Right. They're not very, they don't have a huge pride like they do in other areas. And they don't have a huge area either. And they also are, it's, it's so much, it's so much uh, uh, drier mm -hmm. that they don't really have a whole lot of water. Right. Well, that means so, they can't sustain a huge pride. Exactly. So it's very limited. And one of the things that they talk about is these two these two lions did not have manes. They actually didn't have manes, which was kind of bizarre. Right. So, but not specifically for that area because of the drought. And I, I put something on our show notes about that, where uh, in in a drought or in drier areas, they would just be panting all day long, so they right. they don't have that big fuzzy mane. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, because they'd be just way too hot. Mm -hmm. All right, so they actually found the first man-eater. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the, the uh, men came yelling "Simba, Simba," which means uh, which means lion, lion in Swahili. So uh, Colonel Patterson took some of the some of the men out, mm -hmm. and uh, they were called coolies at the time. Okay. The people from India. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure of the etymology of that, but that's just kind of what they called them. So, okay. uh, some of the men came along and they went searching for him and eventually they kind of found what they thought was his area, den. his den. Yeah. So they set up this, uh, this kind of platform that would, uh, serve as like an artificial tree stand, like you would use when you're hunting deer. Yeah. It's, it's weird how they built it. It's like a, it's like a three pronged. Like a, like a teepee almost but upside down yeah something. yeah and they build this little sort of uh you know woven platform on top so the three legs sit like this and you get right. the three on top and that's your platform and you have a little basically a little ladder to get up to the top interesting and that's what the the you know locals would use for hunting right there's not a lot of big tall trees in the area sure so. So they, they basically, they found a, a donkey carcass mm -hmm. and they, they lashed it to the tree with, uh, with wire so it couldn't be pulled off. Right. And then they sat up this little tree stand by it and uh, he sat vigil with his gun bared ready to, ready to shoot this, uh, this lion. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't too, too long until he heard like the snap of a twig mm -hmm. and he knew that the lion was coming back. But then the lion must have detected him and actually started circling his tree stand. So now the lion was actually stalking him. Colonel Patterson. It's wow. him up in the tree stand. So basically after he stalked him for a few hours, uh, something kind of thumped uh, Colonel Patterson in the head. Mm -hmm. And he actually stumbled to the ground. And uh, it turned out to be an owl. Uh, that had, that had, yeah, just came and, and thwacked him just out of nowhere. So after he did that, the, the, the lion basically jumped out of the thicket. And he was jumping all around and, you know, like basically stalking him ready to pounce right. when uh, Colonel Patterson shot and uh, he, he actually struck the animal. Wow. So it jumped back into the bushes and he continued firing off into the bushes uh -huh. and to eventually he, he just kept on hearing growling and it got weaker and weaker and then eventually went away. And then uh, he went into the thicket, found the thing, and it took eight men to drag him out of the thicket. Wow. But basically, yeah, he had he had been shot through the shoulders, mm -hmm. and it, so it actually had penetrated his heart. Right through the flank. And gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, and then they took it back to the uh, to the old skinning shed. Now I understood this. The first one was nine feet long. Is that correct? From, from yeah, nine tip feet, of the tail to the tip yep, of the nose. Nine feet eight inches, and that's he was uh, and yeah, he was cat. a completely maneless male. So that's, wow. you know, all right. So 
<clears throat> they basically set up the same kind of trap again. They 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 actually slaughtered a goat, tied it up to a, a tree stump, right. and set up one of the 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 uh, little tripod little stands. tripod stands. And uh, basically, the 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 second lion showed up, and uh, he shot at it. He got it in the shoulder. And, uh, but, you know, he fired off into the bushes again, but he couldn't find the animal. So the next morning they got up and they traced the blood trail. Yeah, they actually tracked him. Mm -hmm. They yeah. tracked it, but eventually the blood trail just kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. And nothing happened for another 10 days. They couldn't find the animal. They didn't know where it was. Wow. It's 10 days of terror. <laughs> yeah. So the lion was actually discovered trying to get a man that was sleeping into a tree close to Colonel Patterson's uh, boma or the... The little, the little Fence ring too, yeah. of, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of thickets. And the night was so dark, they couldn't, they couldn't actually see anything. But uh, they fired off some warning shots. And the next day, the lion uh, had ex seemed, that, you know, they looked at the paw prints. It seems like he had explored all around the tents in the camp. So he was stalking the entire camp. Yeah, and yeah, wow. he had he had looked through all the, but it, he didn't actually get anyone because most of the workers had fled. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they were pretty much went on strike, and they're like, "Wow, we're out." <laughs> you deal with these uh, four-legged, nine-foot demons. <laughs> so basically, a firefight ensued with this lion. You know, they go back and forth. He was shooting, shooting some dirty looks, is what he was shooting. But <laughs> so he, you know, he fired, he shot, he hit the thing a few times. Eventually, him and one of the other gunmen, one of the other coolies that he had there, had to jump into the tree. Mm -hmm. But Colonel Patterson probably wouldn't have made it unless he thinks that he actually shot in the hind leg and broke his his leg. Okay. by doing so and then from the top of the the little tree stand they shot it a few more times and it actually collapsed dead i, I read it took nine shots for the, for the second one to die yeah wow. so they climbed down the tree stand and uh the lion then at that point gets up and charges him again wow <laughs> yeah but he actually shot him uh, uh two more times one in the chest and one in the head and uh if you yeah, I mean, it took like a, an awful. It took so much to actually put these animals down. Uh, you you wouldn't believe it. Who's, I, the, like, who, I, who's the Russian, the the Baltic mm, Russian guy? The, Rasputin. Yeah, it's like Rasputin. Yeah, these are seriously like the, the, <laughs> the yeah the lion version of Rasputin. Rasputin. Yeah, you seriously like <laughs> these him, shoot him, stab him, poison him, and I'm gonna go. <laughs> Yeah, these clawing his way out of his death bag while he's drowning. <laughs> so the 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 book that uh, Colonel Patterson wrote was the actually Years of Salvo mm -hmm, was published and became popular. And uh, what was that in 1924? Oh, I'm sorry. In 1924, he actually sold the skins to the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago, Illinois, where they still are today. Now that was after 25 years of treating him as. Um, as rugs in the middle of his, in <laughs> yeah. his living room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but from what I understand, um, the, the, the actual like taxidermy job that happened was kind of botched a little bit. Right. So you can't actually tell how large the animals were. Right. So when they skinned them, they didn't quite do it exactly right. Probably. So, so they're probably, they look a lot smaller from what I understand right. and they just don't, they don't really match up too well. So right. that's kind of lame, you know yeah. what I mean? But their skins are still there in, uh, in Chicago. Now I understand in terms of the numbers of people killed, there's a little bit of a discrepancy with these. Um, they originally said over 130 people were killed. It was like 132 that they thought. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's then over what? Three, four months. Right. Yeah. And that was the discrepancy. The, someone in modern science took those numbers and 
kind of tract them against the, uh, the typical lion's digestive tract and their typical hunting habits. Well, they also... So there was no way that that was possible. They also um, actually took and did some DNA testing from, from the animal skins mm -hmm. and found that they most definitely had eaten human flesh. Human flesh. So they were, so they were definitely man-eaters. That's, right. that's for sure. But they think somehow, I guess they maybe took some DNA from that. Okay. And it seems like maybe there was only, you know, uh, like... 10 people or something that were was going around in their system. Yeah, but you're also, you're also talking like some of them they didn't eat. Some they just killed. Just right? killed, yeah. You know? right. So you, the, that's the big discrepancy. Is like how many actually were killed to eat? Or how many did they eat? Right. Or how many did they just kill? And what other things were not reported or reported as the lion attacks or something, something else killed at the time? Right. We have so, to understand the documentation in East Africa at 18, exactly, 1890, exactly. you know? Well, it wasn't that, wasn't right. that great. <laughs> right. But I, I do highly recommend the book and the Val Kilmer movie. They're both pretty awesome. Uh, if you like Scary Kitty books and movies. I definitely thought it was a good movie. It's actually one of my favorites from back then. I mean, it's no Ravenous, but, you know, hey. But, yeah. Ravenous is a good movie. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we good talked movie. about that during our Werewolves episode, yeah. <laughs> he was licking me! <laughs> Such a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> So my act, the Scarred and Dangerous Thrill Show, I'm only one half of. The other half is Dangerous D. He's currently living in California, and he's going to call in from time to time to give you his two cents about all of our topics here on The Curioso. Now, all dangers considered, a moment with Dangerous D. I never liked Dumbo, Bambi, or Thumper, and Lassie was really boring, but... There are two animals that I feel need proper attention like the rest. Podo and Kodo, most known as the ferrets from Beastmaster. They are the raddest animals ever. Not only did they star in Beastmaster, they also held roles in Kindergarten Cop and The Big Lebowski. These two animal stars were bigger in the 80s and 90s than the Olsen twins ever were. And they have appeared alongside of great actors in many films. Dumbo and Bambi can't say that. I have always wanted to, and now I will. I'm going to get two baby ferrets, name them Elvis and Rancor, and teach them to steal panties. If you do any more of that, we might have to pay the rights. Oh, yeah. We're going to need a bigger boat. So we <laughs> go... Podcast. Yeah. We're going to we, need a we, bigger podcast. We go from the sands of Africa to the waters of New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to go back. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with Jersey. I like Jersey. I've never been to New Jersey. It's like the... It's, it's like the, um, the land of diners it is. there's like all there is there well, there's just so I, I many diners going there with you one time and it was like diner 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 it's like mcdonald's down here in maryland yeah you know? <laughs> so 
1916, panic struck on the Jersey Shore. Uh, Just like it does every... <laughs> what time is that show on? <laughs> the Jersey Shore, yeah. Yeah. So, but it was actually a, 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 a kid, a 25-year-old kid, uh, Charles uh, Van Sant, and he was bitten in a little resort town of Beach Haven on July 1st. A life car guard had pulled him to shore, but he had actually bled to death. Five days later, 45 miles north uh, of uh, in Spring Lake, New Jersey, Charles Bruller, a young bellhop at a local hotel, happened to again. Wow. At the hotel? Well, I think he was swimming. That's a brazen shark. Land shark. I think the <laughs> land shark. <laughs> I think that the hotel was actually on the, you know, like on the, on the water, oh, like okay. right on the beach. Anyone so it was a his toe in. Yeah, it was a the toe came off with the leg. Yeah, and he just bled out through his toe. It was terrible. With the initial attack, I um, when they did the report on it, I, from what I understood, one of the one of the scientists that in, investigated the attack said that. Uh, he thought that the shark had actually been going after Van Sant's dog who was in the water with him and accidentally grazed his leg. Well, the guy ended up bleeding out because of uh, his leg being torn off, essentially. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, initially, they thought that it wasn't necessarily an attack on directed at a human, mm -hmm. but directed at his his, at his the, dog. At the dog. Right. He was just there. As right. Kind of, yeah, collateral damage. Icing snack, yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, that, but that, that wasn't the only victim. There were a few more. Uh, 30 miles uh, north of Spring Lake in Matawan Creek on July 12th, uh, a little 11-year-old boy, Lester Stilwell, was playing in a creek, not in the ocean, mind you, in a creek 16 miles inland when a shark had attacked him. And it was actually a another, uh, another man named uh, Stanley Fisher, Watson Stanley Fisher, helped save the boy, but he actually, when he was trying to save him, he, he got bit, as well. he was attacked as well, and wow. he was actually killed and the boy survived. Wait, how many miles up? 16 miles up in fresh water. Inland, wow. yeah. Right. So they said that's the, a pretty deep, deep uh, river if you got sharks going through. Well, they yeah. said that uh, the town resembled more of a Midwest town than it would like an actual beach or resort town. Uh -huh. uh, just kind of a podunk town in the middle of nowhere next to a river. And um, the kid that was swimming was epileptic, and they thought that he might have been having a seizure when he was initially attacked. Oh. But then the kids that were with him had seen the dorsal fin and went and got the townspeople. So the townspeople show up. They get in the water to try to save the boy. And in front of all the townspeople, the shark attacks another and, and kills another person that came in with them. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, uh, I think like a half a mile upstream from there, mm -hmm. the shark attacked the final victim, the fifth victim, who was the only one that survived. Yeah, his name was uh, Joseph Dunn. And uh, he was a teenager, and he he had just uh, he got he just basically got bit. I think he just got nibbled a little bit, and he actually survived. But the you know the crazy thing about this is is that sharks don't normally attack humans. Just right. like we were talking about the the uh, the ghost and the darkness, mm -hmm. the two salvo man eaters. Yeah. Um, salvo auto parts man eaters. <laughs> they. Savo. Oh, sorry. Okay. Salvo so, parts. <laughs> no more. We're going to have to pay rights if you do that. Okay. So basically what happened was, uh, you know, you have this, this extreme, you know, kind of circumstance happening. Yeah. So in Africa, it was very, they were having a drought, right. so they didn't have any water. They didn't forced, have any, you know, the animals to, to, desperate measures yeah so and they think that po possibly that this shark that was doing this w was either um 
either hurt in some way. Okay. So or he couldn't. Sharp rabies or something. Well, he couldn't swim as maybe as fast or something. Maybe he was right. some kind of deformed. Okay. So he was going after easy prey because we do not swim very fast. Right. We do not. That's true. You know, we you know, we are not a uh, a very fierce species. Yeah. You know, we use our brains to fight against things. You know, the underlying story with this is the mass hysteria that was created. You know, over the course of I think it was. From the 1st of July to the 12th of July mm -hmm. and the, the five attacks that happened. It was much like the movie Jaws, which this is based off of, uh, although in later years. But the well, that, hysteria that kind of gripped the nation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the other thing. It's kind of, This is a little bit different than, I mean, this happened in 1916. Right. This is a little bit different than most of the other kind of... Uh, other animals that we're talking about mm. this this shark wasn't named then right this right. shark wasn't named until 1975 when uh when a book and a mm -hmm. and a movie came out called jaws right so it wasn't really uh wasn't really i mean of course it was a noteworthy event but it wasn't a yeah. noteworthy animal until later on mm -hmm. so basically now we think on the 1916 shark attacks of this animal possibly being jaws the, yeah that's who it was he was the inspiration for mm -hmm. the book and later on the film there was an interesting thing about uh about the reporting on this they thought initially there was one one scientist who came out and said that it was a sea turtle that that was that was his initial reasoning for this well, and then thought uh, it was like a slew of sea turtles like yeah, yeah. that they were just some angry <laughs> Sea turtles. Biker sea turtles. <laughs> but then there was a one that was even more ridiculous, which was that it was a German U-boat doing maneuvers and uh, had just happened to run into people's legs. <laughs> well, I, I read that they, they thought it was like it was U-boats coming over. And because of that, they were like drawing the sharks behind them with what? some kind of like sonar. Like they, shark shark hypnosis. You know, yeah. like like seriously, like they thought that these U-boats like had some kind of Aquaman powers and were commanding the sharks. the sharks to start Wait, like like eating a mnemonic with the, the dolphin? Yeah. Remember that? Where he's like, whoa, the dolphin. And like Ice Cube or Ice Pick or Ice T was like one of the ice guys was was like yeah, this dolphin was a military half robot, half dolphin. Like that kind of thing? Is that Deep Blue Sea? No. Is that which I'm mnemonic? I never saw that one, oh I don't God. think. <laughs> Man. Wasn't that was that Prived. Was that the hold on, was Johnny Mnemonic the um was Keanu Reeves. Was that the precursor to the Matrix? It was a based was that on the, a, it's the prequel to the Matrix, right? No, no. <laughs> based on a William Gibson book. Really, I yeah. I don't know it. But anyway, there was this there was this dolphin that the military used to basically attack enemy submarines. <laughs> You're talking like that, right? Yeah, they that's what they thought. They thought that that's ex I swear that's what they thought was happening. That's crazy. So I, I have kind of like your your ideas. <laughs> that you just, you just think, oh, submarine. Whoa, <laughs> back her up. Sorry, I ripped your leg off. It's the Germans. <laughs> so I have this quote from an ichthyologist named uh, George Burgess, and he is actually the study of ick. No, it's actually ichthyologist is actually the study of sharks. I know. So okay, so uh, basically he's talking about the 1916 shark attacks in this okay. quote. He says, when shark attacks occur, uh, there is obviously shock. Then the second phase is denial. Denial that it's done by a shark 
Uh, it has to be done by something else. And that acceptance. You know? well, no, well, hold on, I'm getting to that. The third phase <laughs> is the feeling that if we shuffle it under the rug, maybe it'll, it'll disappear. So, right, you know, right. so no, don't worry about it. Yeah, that shark will go away. Mm -hmm. Under the rug. rug. <laughs> the, the fourth phase is realizing that none of these things are working and that we should probably go and kill some sharks. Kill sharks, <laughs> of course. So a then, yeah, and then the fifth phase finally sets in, and that uh, that's the reality of maybe killing all the sharks is not the solution, and maybe we uh, need to go find a scientist that knows about these things. <laughs> this is the movie Jaws. You just laid out the plot yeah. line. Yeah, Jaws. so I just right. think it's I think it's really funny. <laughs> Show me the way to go home. <laughs> Let's just sweep that. I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> Had a little drink about an hour ago, and it went straight to my head. I think my first Jaws movie was the one with, um, oh, what was his name? The black guy with dreads. Ice Cube? No, <laughs> not Ice Cube. Ice T. Oh, he had a real funny name. But it was the second, I think it was the second one, where his mom's in the Caribbean, and they have to blow him up with, like, a big, uh... I can't remember it's what a they were. bigger CO2 tank. Yeah, it's like a bigger CO2 tank. Don't they just get right. worse as they go along? The yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. Yeah, the, it's so. Well, weird. the first one, it's like it's basically a stalking shark. Yes. Right. That's, yeah. that's stalking the family or stalking the, the one guy, right? Well, What's the second one is, is stalking the family because it goes down the Caribbean and finds it. Mario Van Peebles is the guy's name. Oh, Van Peebles. <laughs> Van yeah. Peebles. God. How could you forget? Yeah. <laughs> now I know who you're talking about. <laughs> Um, but no, the first one, like, it, like the, the movie, like Spielberg, he created this like half ton mechanical shark, right? like, and, you know, groundbreaking special effects and all this good stuff and great acting and like, and it really brought home that feeling of, of dread when you see, um, uh, I think it's Cooper, mm -hmm. he's like throwing something over the side of the boat and... <laughs> The shark just comes out of the water, which is like, and his face, the look on his face when he just backs up and goes, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're like, like uh. exactly. That's the fear that probably ran through the entire town after they heard all these reports. Yeah. You know, so what they did in the movie, like, well, the, the first one, um, it really kind of, it, it helped kind of take all of those feelings and fears and things and, and really make them real and visual right modern i mean even yeah. to this day ocean city is only a few miles from new jersey uh, yeah <laughs> I mean, as far out as i well, go i always think that's a shark stomping ground right, we're really talking is. about ocean city maryland it's it's yeah. kind of the vacation spot that we all go to here in maryland right. and uh there is an ocean city uh new jersey as well oh right? is there yeah. okay so he was like it, was, it wasn't very big it was like a 14 footer like yeah but you know the the thing is is that you know if he was, it was, it was caught by um, a lion tamer. Well, killed by a lion tamer. Yeah, well, that's I what they think. That. They they're never really clarified which shark it was. Well, exactly. They said, I guess one of them came up with a nine foot great white that they said had found body parts, human human remains in. Yeah. But they said that the actual um, going back and looking at the. Um, the behaviors of the animal, most great whites, it's almost unheard of them for to swim up into fresh water. Uh, the shark that's much more capable of doing that is a bull shark, and they yeah. do it frequently. In fact, some of them live primarily in fresh water. And they're a little smaller, a little slower. Right, but they certainly could hit that nine-foot mark and, and oh, yeah. could be a man-eater. So uh, where initially it was blamed on a great white, I think they've come around on thinking maybe it wasn't. So. Right, right. You know, and of course, a lion tamer, uh, you know, what else but 
you know, hunting sharks, what do you do on the weekends? I mean, you I, know what I mean? Awesome Gotta make a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sticks of dynamite were thrown in the water. Yeah. Nets and everything. And they, yeah, they, they weren't sure that they ever caught it coming back out of the river. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they did everything they possibly could trying to find or kill as many sharks as they, you know. Dynamite. Yeah. Dynamite. That's, I mean, hey, that's one way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that the next animal on the list should have a, uh, a rock metal ballad written after him. A whole rock opera, actually. A rock opera. A rock opera. By Meatloaf. By Meatloaf. <laughs> that would only be fitting. Uh, yeah. The animal in reference is the single largest predator on the continent of Africa. The single largest predator on the continent of Africa. His name is Gustav, and he's a crocodile. And at last seen in 2008 he was upwards of 25 feet long and over a ton that is a huge pair of shoes right now we we all watched a documentary uh a a few days ago about gustav and it was uh that was from i think 96 99 something like that 98 98 so at that point he was anywhere between 18 to 20 feet long, mm-hmm. and they thought he was about a one-ton animal. Yeah. So, which is, I mean, like, huge. Yeah. So, Matt, like, the girth of a, almost a full-grown hippo. Mm-hmm. Like, that's enormous. Right. Like, was huge. And at that point, when the documentary was filmed, he was blamed for the deaths of over 300 people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> so a talk about right there. Right. Reputable animals. I mean, that's, you know, what do you do every day? You know, it's, it's <laughs> like um, Eddie Izzard's like, what do you wake up? And it's like death, 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 tea, <laughs> death, 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 afternoon lunch. <laughs> like, that's pretty busy schedule. 300 people. Well, right? the thing is, is that apparently Gustav just doesn't kill people to eat them. Yeah. They, they've actually found bodies of of fishermen mm-hmm. that he is taken under the water and drowned and then just left like a chew toy so mm-hmm. he's not just a he's not just a man eater like the lions of salvo uh-huh. or the ghost in the darkness he is tick tock from peter pan no no oh jeez <laughs> is that that the clock the, yeah that's the clock that takes that's his name like TikTok. oh jeez yeah, that's a takes, terrible name uh, Captain Hook's hand and gives him the. Was Captain the hook, hook? Was Captain Hook Captain Hook before no, he Captain got the hook? Bill, and then he got the hook, and then they just started calling <laughs> him Captain Hook. Name was. Because he was Captain James Hook from the start. Yeah, I'm just, and then he got the the hook. The hook. I'm hook, just yeah. saying that you know there is definitely some foretelling there. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's <laughs> so Gustav is a serial killer. He is a, an animal serial killer. Yeah. You can see it in his little red crocodile eyes. You can. And, you can. and his machine gun scarred body <laughs> with the spear and stab wounds of the natives. Yeah, he had he has uh, he has machine gun. He's got a strafing line. Yes. He's got a strafing line up his right side, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah, and uh, I believe it was on his shoulder. He actually has a huge uh, a huge wound from a, 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 spear. a, a spear. I yeah. think he's missing part of his right eyelid from a bullet shot yeah i mean like i mean this you can't take him down yeah you're talking this possibly 20 to 40 foot long one ton dinosaur right you know stalking adverse to modern weaponry yes stalking burundi and just you know nipping off people when he feels like it the the best part of that documentary is the part when they say hey 
we we witnessed him killing a male hippo and devouring a male hippo i think were the words which <laughs> right from what i understand he's too big to stalk small prey like fish and um, and antelope and whatnot so mm -hmm. he has to go for the larger game so hippopotamus and people just happen to be convenient because i think that we're slow and stupid i guess well, well i uses us as toothpicks <laughs> to get the hippo from what I, from what i understand too he, when he goes and he gets a few people that are like washing their clothes along the banks of the river yeah he doesn't just like take out one person mm -hmm. he'll go and he'll take out like five or eight people at the in same time and so there'll be like uh you know it'll be just like a massacre of five mm -hmm. or eight people that were trying to get away mm -hmm. and he just took them under the water killed them he ate a few of them and you know he doesn't really leave survivors yeah you know well yeah the, the crocodile when they show them on the documentary the size of the crocodile i think they have two average crocodiles laying next to him yeah and all you see is a, the front third of his body is is like an average croc right there it's and they're they fit in the in the shot you know mm -hmm. you can see the full body of the crocs you see a third of his body you know like the yeah. front end. it's like why is, get, move that mountain out of the way <laughs> so i can see those crocodiles right and big giant lumbering like you know submersible with teeth yeah right and then the the funny part as well was then the reason we refer to the documentary it's the it's the really the only solid solid photographic evidence of of gustav mm -hmm. there's been a lot of sightings but never a follow-up on the documentary right um they tried to bait him with a dang uh a goat and a, a cow's head yeah they created a a a trap just uh to to try and catch him and they yeah. they put a cow head and a, and a goat in there Basically, if you took the back of a semi-trailer <laughs> yep. and you cut it right down in half. Yeah, lengthwise, yeah. Like the bottom of that trailer and you put grading over top, that's what that's how big the cage. It took a whole village to move it. Yeah, it was like it was like, it was like it was like 30 people or something they had to yeah. they had to move it down down the they actually moved it down the road with 30 people because they didn't have anything to to haul it with. Well, they couldn't. Well, haul they it were in like there. the back country. Yeah, they, they, you there know. was no way to haul it. Yeah, but the the guy who's trying to catch him is named uh, Patrice Fay, mm -hmm. and he is uh, he's uh, some kind of scientist. Uh, I didn't I didn't go From too what crazy. I he was a self made scientist, which is, is the best is? part. He's yeah. a self made scientist who goes to Africa to hunt the biggest land predator in the world. Well, he got a lot of continent. really good shots of it, like yeah, I mean, you know, videotaping. And, right? I mean, he took a passion and like ran with it. It's almost like a cockamamie plan. Like I'm going to go catch this yeah. alligator. Well, the but... thing is too that is that they're not trying to kill it. They 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 refuse to try and kill it. They want to bring it in alive because well, they want to study it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they can kill it. No, you know, I mean, machine well, guns, spheres, apocalypse, you know, <laughs> like asteroids. I mean, he's he's probably close to sixty or seventy years old. Well, that's that's the other thing too is that they with his size. Mm -hmm. The, his size, the, they've done the calculations. He should be about a hundred years old, right? Because much like you know some other animals, goldfish, yeah, like um, yeah, exactly. As long yeah. as they eat, the, they'll continue to grow. Right. Well, Gustav, you know, as long he's obviously eating plenty of people, <laughs> and uh, he you know taking down hippos, yeah. And he's going to continue to grow. They think that he should be about 100 years old. But after looking at his teeth and how they're basically, you know, I guess he doesn't have any gum disease or well, anything. It's, it's kind of like trees. Mm -hmm. You can count their age with the ring. Right. Well, the same thing with crocs, sharks, things like that. You can kind of 
guess or see their age with either the rings or the uh how many teeth they've lost yeah teeth yeah. loss wear and tear length and, mm -hmm. you know, and certain other marks and by looking at his teeth they're estimate because they're not like head deep in his oh mouth. no they, they you can't get near him right he'll chop it off exactly <laughs> but from from the footage they've gotten they're estimating between 60 and 70 years old, mm -hmm. but his size suggests older. Which is incredible, which means if he is 60 and 70 years old, he's still got 40 years to go. Yeah. And there's been no accounts that he's been killed. And he goes on the lam for years at a time and <laughs> won't be seen. He's like, um, oh, God, what the hell? Whitey Bulger? Could <laughs> <laughs> go live in Southern California for a while. He's, he's, like, like you said, he's like a serial killer. It's like, like. Hannibal Lecter, like he'll come out, ravage the countryside, and then go into hiding right. for for a little while and grow and some then, more. Yeah, yeah, and then he comes out and he's like, and then he's you know, like that's what Gustav does. Well, uh, you know, and having also as opposed to all of our other noteworthy animals that we've talked about this entire episode, mm. uh, Gustav. Still alive. Is still alive. Right. He is not dead. The last account, yeah. he's still alive. Yeah, they, they, he, I mean, he's still going up and down, uh, what is it, the Burundi River? Yeah. Yes. Uh, the Ruzizi uh, area of the, of the Burundi River. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's still stalking up and down it, killing people the same way he did in 1996 and 1998 and, and 16, continuing to do it. years previous. <laughs> and 1945 right. and 1965. You a, a crocodile pops out around five six inches right now he's the size of this room 40 feet all right so kids the moral of the story is do not buy a caiman and flush him down the toilet <laughs> okay especially if you're in the burundi province right because this is what happens <laughs> yeah exactly i would think I'd, you know what i'm gonna buy a saddle and go down to Burundi. Just try to ride, ride <laughs> the lightning. Ride stuff. You know, if you did it, it's my last. You deserve a hip my, opera or a rock opera. Exactly. You, it's my last thing I'm going to do in my life. Well, that will be the last thing that you I do know. in your life because you are well, not going to make it through that. About their shoulders, so I'll just ride them Jeez. further back. God, you got to figure that crocodile's head is like the size of this this thing right here. Yeah. Just this head. Bigger than this table. Yeah. And when he opens his jaws, it's got to be like... Oh, you can table to the ceiling. Easily fit in the sign. I mean, <laughs> he is... No chance. He yeah. is quite literally a giant. I mean, yeah. he is a giant dinosaur. He is. I mean, that's... that's I, I, it's, crocodiles and alligators have not changed in 65 million years. I, they, they've gotten smaller. Except for Gustav. <laughs> Except he for him. stayed the same. He stayed, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know? I'm not following the crap. Mm -mm, no. <laughs> Buck the trend. <laughs> <laughs> well, lions, bears, crocodiles. Elephants. 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 Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we want to thank our guest, uh, Jason. Thank you, guys. For coming Thanks, on Joe. to this episode. I know that you were, uh, you were pretty passionate about this. You know? oh, it's yeah. a passionate subject for me. Anytime that there's a predator that can eat me, I tend to take interest. You know, uh, they may, after listening to this episode, Gustav may buy a plane ticket. <laughs> Just come this come way. Come over and take a visit with me. Yeah, I heard you've been like, talking about me. I hope that, Gustav is listening to our episodes. you said on that podcast? So, that? He's like, I want to get in on this rock opera, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got some work to do. Break out your guitar. 
But I mean, we you know we also talked about uh, Voitech, Voitech uh, Jumbo. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of nice animals out there too that yeah. that are definitely don't noteworthy. Heads off. Yeah, and don't forget uh, Curiosos. If you have a noteworthy animal that you wanted us to discuss, mm-hmm. let us know about it. Email us at uh, feedback at thecurioso.com, and we'd love to discuss it on Notable Animals Part Two. That's right. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Hey, is there any topics that you want us to cover? Anything that you want to talk to us about or let us know about? Email us, feedback at thecurioso.com. Our Facebook, facebook.com backslash thecuriosopodcast. We tweet at curiosopodcast. And if you have any five-star reviews you'd like to give us on iTunes, please feel free. Say it just reminds me of like a '80s like German electro body band. Voitech. This is Voitech. <laughs> this dance. <laughs> it is now one time with Sparans when we when we dance with Voitech. Yes, Voitech the bear. The, the, the bear. <laughs>